It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I'd like to say they're not undisciplined penalties. They're just they're penalties that are um, avoidable. Avoidable penalties. Um, so, yeah, and five on five. We And, you know, you can say what you want about special teams. Our, our power play had some unbelievable chances. Um, their goalie played great. Um, ours played great. They got a couple of bounces on their PP, but it can't be a 6-6 game or um, we're not going to have success. Okay, okay. How many how many truths and how many lies in that 30-second Dean Evison clip there? Do you think Fleury played great? Oh, hell no. Not great. No, not even close. I mean, you can't put how... Huso played in the same sentence. That's a lie. Mm. Do you think that the penalties they weren't undisciplined, but they were avoidable? I that's that's splitting a hair awfully. Yeah. Awfully thin yes. There. Yes. I think yes. That's definitely. Um, but but as Patrick said when when we talked to him on rap with Royce, the officials were not the problem in this one. Like we put the ref you suck chant last night away. They weren't the problem. Did the crowd chant that last night? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they chanted. We love yeah. that chant. I, I guess I didn't hear that come across the old yeah, ESPN. They were chanting that. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but the flurry one among the soundbite Declan just played, the flurry one stands out to me as the biggest. Pinocchio, Dean's nose. <laughs> Pinocchio. <laughs> Dean's nose was going across the press conference room. <laughs> Do you guys remember, was it those Geico commercials, Pinocchio? Yes. Where he's, like, getting pulled over? Yeah. <laughs> Those are that was actually a good campaign. I uh, didn't see the speed limit yeah. back there. I, uh, uh... The officer shuts the door and breaks the glass on his the gla- nose. Yes. That's exactly what this was. <laughs> Dean broke the glass. Well, Kevin said I... Uh... Well, if you guys want, you guys unloaded a bunch of takes on Judd's hockey show last night, but the hockey whisperer has woken up and has oh, seen the light. All right, with six, observa- six observations. For each power play miss. Wow, At least yeah. from the wild's end. Well, there's a lot of things to nitpick off last night. This is Mackie and Judd. By the way, daily Minnesota sports entertainment, therapy, loathing, sometimes speculation. More in the therapy bin here today on the show. We'll get to some positivity later because I've got a Twins-related pecking order for you guys. But, again, Hockey Whisper brings observations. You tell the Whisper how honed or not his takes are. I have a feeling that he's going to be walking into... The fire here a little bit with this first one, especially with Judd. Oh, I like it. 
We'll see where Declan falls on this one because Declan like tends it. to be a little bit more analytically rooted in his opinions. Sure. But observation number one is even though they lost game one, if the Wilds stay out of the penalty box, they will win the series. Last night, five on five possession, 70 30 in favor of the Wild. When they are a man down, they wind up just completely unable to to fend off St. Louis's power play in it. So, um, you know, and then, you know, the Wild, when, when they are five on five, it's not enough just to possess the puck 70 30. You got to jam in loose pucks. You got to, you know, how many times was there a Plinko battle happening in front of the net? Yeah, someone's got to put that puck in the back of the net. So, you know, attempted shots in the first period were 27 to 12 in favor of the Wild. And it, and it only, you know, maintain that throughout the game. So if the Wild continue to dominate five-on-five possession and stay out of the penalty box, game one will just be a distant memory in a six-game or seven-game series in which the Wild win. Your thoughts? They should, but the problem was all those attempted shots, a lot of them were blocked. A lot of them were, uh, were missing the net. So it's great to pile up the Corsi, and look, I, I like to look at that stuff too. I like to look at where those heat maps are coming from, but a lot of those shots weren't coming from high-danger situations. And especially in the first period, I mean, th- this game by the Blues, I said this to Judd, was one in the first period. I mean, the Wild had all their shots from the left side of the circle, nothing in front of the net. The Blues just get two easy power play goals point-blank in front of Flurry, And yes, rebound control can flower, gobble those up and not slap it right back to the other team. Maybe. But the Wilds' offense needs to also cash in on better opportunities. So, yes, in theory, you'd like to see if a 70-30 all-attempted shot should probably swing you back in the favor. But you need to figure out where those shots are coming from, too, before you get two down the road, of course. I got a few thoughts on this. One is, so I tend to agree with what Dex just said. And to Dex's credit, he has said this going back a long time, and he's exactly right. So the advanced metrics are great, and, like, they do help tell a story, but last night, the problem was this, and this ca- this can't be the case, and it goes well beyond sending a message. The Wild fell into the trap of playing the Blues game, despite the fact that they knew what the Blues game was. The Wild looked, at times, completely mesmerized by what the Blues were doing, including at times when they had the puck themselves. Like, St. Louis has a style of of play, and it hasn't changed. Um, It's more skilled than it used to be, but they want to dictate the game. And they don't care if you have the puck as long as they continue to dictate the pace of game, which they did. And so, yes, on on the surface, if this series stays 5-on-5 a lot, I do like the wild chances to definitely win some games. That being said is they also need to get, and this is especially true, and I'm sure, Whisper, that you're going to bring up both of these players as well. That's also very true of the fact that their star power, their star players need to show up and need to be dominant at times. Um, I believe between them, Fiala and Kaprizov had nine shots last night, but I would consider those two to have had as big of no-shows as they possibly could, which is disappointing. So, so yes, um, five on five, important to stay there, but the Wild also needs to go above and beyond that, and the Wild cannot have the game dictated to them, and the Blues did that last night. So uh, j- just 
to throw some more analytics out there for you guys. So of all the players that played last night, and there were there were four games last night, so eight teams on the ice and all those players. Mm-hmm. Kaprizov had, he was tied for the second most expected goals. Hang the banner, by the way. Expected goals. Actual goals are what we need. But, but yeah. based on his activity, nine shot attempts, five shots on goal, based on his activity, usually that activity leads to a goal. Is what that now they needed more than that. <laughs> they needed four or five goals last night, or right. better goal prevention. But right. but but Kaprizov he and, and even with the eye test, I mean the hockey whispers, he, Kaprizov was keeping possessions alive and he was cycling the puck. But how often were they high danger right chances right. versus pucks that were you know deflected off skates? Um, observation two, if if he will, from the hockey whisper. The Wild took some of the dumbest penalties you'll see in an NHL game last night. And Jordan Greenway was the George Washington on the Mount Rushmore of dumb penalty takers. Okay? Mm-hmm. He had a dumb roughing penalty five minutes, what, four or five minutes into the game. That leads to a power play goal. The cross check right in front of a referee in the second period that then leads to a power play goal. Uh, you had Spurgeon later in the game when the game was decided just getting mad and trying to break someone's ankle. I mean, what are they doing? I understand if if you you know you're gonna. I I did think that the uh, the hooking or whatever it was hooking or slashing on the on the uh, the breakaway that turned into a penalty. I thought that was a phantom call, so I thought they got screwed on that one. And we'll get to we'll get to some of that later. But I guess my point is, a lot of these penalties are just ridiculous. Like show some level of self discipline. Cross checking. Listen, if there's something happening and you know your stick gets caught up in a guy's jersey and it's hooking or whatever. Things happen, but four or five of those penalties were just absurd, and they led to all sorts of trouble with the Blues scoring goals. Well, first of all, the Spurgeon one was inexcusable, beyond cheap, uh, Marchand-like. I mean, it was he should be suspended for one game. He probably won't be. He should be. That was um, that was not just out of character for for him. It was asinine, and there is nothing about that that screams captain, leader, anything good. So, so Jared Spurgeon is a guy who rightfully gets praised a lot. That was as stupid of a thing as I've ever seen him do. Um, it serves zero purpose. It doesn't send a message. It does nothing. The other thing that I thought of the penalties and where the Wild has to be smarter, and it's incumbent upon them because this is what referees do, especially early in a, a series, because much like a team, referees try to set a tone okay last night what they were doing on purpose and you've got to be really smart about this is when they should have taken two guys so so one from each team a lot of times they take one because what they want to do right or wrong is send a message to each team if you engage in this after the whistle crap teams are going to get power plays which you don't want right i actually like that well, that's the thought process. But the point is you have to be incredibly cognizant. And sending a message, what the Blues did last night with their game sent a message. It's not about fighting. It's not about stupid penalties. It's not about, you know, intimidating. It's about dictating play. And I'll give you one Kaprizov play that, that I watched in particular last night. That is the difference between um, January and May. And it's absolutely what makes this sport in the playoffs a fun chess match. Kaprizov had the puck, I think it was behind his own, own net. And he did the typical, I'm going to get a, a 
head of steam and race down the ice and create, which, by the way, is awesome to watch, right? Blues were right there. Before he got to his own blue line, they jostled him. They didn't, like, hit him. They didn't bully him. They jostled him. They sort of they sort of hooked, but they didn't fully hook. It's the genius because in January, you don't do that. You don't expend that much um, um, of yourself as a player for the most part. And so the that's sending a message. Uh, but, yeah, they were the Wilds' lack of discipline last night, which does nothing but hurt the Wild, was incredibly dumb, and I did not like, like it. And, look, they did not play a smart game, Declan, I don't think in any way. No. Anyway. Yeah, even uh, there's two really just dumb penalties by Kevin Fiala, too. The first um, at the end of, I believe, the first intermission. Yes, end of the first intermission. And there's a scrum at the end as, as as the horn sounds. And I think a Blues helmet came off. A player's helmet came off. And, like, Fiala is still antagonizing him. The The league has also emphasized, like, if the bucket is off a guy's head, like, all bets, not, they, they can't, you can't be going after players when their helmets come off. And Fiala doesn't have the awareness to, like, hey, dude, don't stop pushing and shoving him. Like, his helmet's off. You know they're going to call you regardless of the period being over. And then the second one where he high sticks um, Ryan O'Reilly. And by the way, ROR doesn't wear a visor in front of his like helmet. He's one of the rare pe- players who does not have a visor. I personally think that's not a double minor. They they said it was it was intent to injure, and I think ROR did a great job selling it too for a little bit. But just Fiala, those type of penalties are the Fiala that drive Evison and Garen nuts, and th- and you just can't have that type of Kevin Fiala in the playoffs. Is it okay? Is it intent to injure, or is it so? If you draw blood, it's for sure. But then they said last night to clarify, they said there was no blood, but he was deemed to have been hurt by yeah. the high stick. So it's basically the the referees are are playing medical professionals. Oh, does it looks like you're actually hurt? Okay, let's let's tack onto the penalty. But if you're choosing to not wear a first of all, it was a dumb penalty. Put your stick down. But if you're choosing to not wear a visor, okay. So I guess like. You're more likely to get hurt with a high stick pill. It's just like, like, why is it not standard that he should just wear a visor? And why are you lifting your stick up that high in that situation? Right. The whisperer has so many questions about well, that entire part, sequence. So he he's been around for a long time. Part Who of the cares? Put is, a visor on. Right, right. But the rule is the rule is this: if you were drafted on a certain date, like I don't know, let's just ballpark it, ten years back or something. You don't have to, but if everyone drafted. So after Tom Brady that should, wear a le- should go back to wearing a leather a helmet then, basically. No, I'm serious. That's the rule. That's the rule. So that's why classic he does hockey it. buffoonery. It's just it's it's classic okay. hockey well, buffoonery. Speaking of hockey buffoonery, okay, and this maybe this lights another match here, but the hockey whisperer has to say it. Okay, observation number three: hockey commentary continues to be some of the dumbest commentary in sports. And I love our guy, Kevin Weeks. He's a friend of the show. I think he was the one that said this late in the game. There was a skirmish. Felino was you know, putting gloves to someone's face at one point, and they're down 4 nothing or whatever it was. Yep. And I, I pulled this quote directly from the ESPN broadcast. The Wild are looking to send a message at the end of this game. Playoff hockey is all about paying the price. <laughs> yeah, let's send a message to the Blues, who just absolutely destroyed you with their own right. game. You know what the message should be? How about score on one of your 43 power plays that you had last night? Okay, how about how about yes. poking a loose puck into the back of the net? It's so stupid when you're getting smoked in a hockey game that, like, well, we may have gotten our asses kicked, but now we're going to get physical with three minutes to go. 
Jared Spurgeon. I'm going to be a team captain and try and break someone's leg in half, tear their Achilles tendon. Like, come on. So the Spurgeon thing was simply he he was mad, which was stupid. The Felino thing drives me crazy because here's my biggest problem. I bought the I brought the uh, hold on I'll show you. I brought the field glasses last night oh, so I could watch the binoculars. I brought the field glasses, the big field. Look at these. Look at these. These are real field glasses. And just here, here. so just, I'll, just creeping I'll do it on like people. This. There's a I'll meme. do it like this. No, <laughs> I was creeping. I was creeping on the bench. And I'm going to tell you right now, too, this whole thing about at the end of a game where you've just basically, and I don't care what the stats say, you had the game dictated to you. And now you're gonna, you know, crack down and, and the lightning and, did and this last rough. night too, even yeah. more so. Here's my biggest problem: when I looked at that bench, like early third, I, I can't tell you how many guys I saw hanging over the boards, head down, like, "Oh, this isn't going well." So now you're gonna come back at the end and be like, "Now it's message time." That's such a bunch of garbage. A message too, like, okay, you don't score. A message is. Not totally, basically giving in to what your opponent is doing, though, as far as the play, right? Like, that's like a message is not, well, now we're going to scrum it up. There's no message there. That's the thing. It's like I, the Blues I, the, won. This whole idea, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of hockey thinking here that is it's, it's all about sending a message and who wants it more. No, it's it's not. It's not about that. The, so, so you roughhouse the Blues at the end of that game. They're going to all of a sudden be like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right. We're going to get a Foligno. This isn't the 80s where you might literally have well, like goon. So UFC didn't exist in the 80s. And so you know what those guys who are sort of tough but not that athletic did? They put skates on and they played in the NHL. We have boxing and mixed martial arts for those guys now. I want to see skill. I want to see strategy. Yeah. And by the way, the NBA, you can make fun of it all you want to for being soft or whatever. But like Draymond Green pulled a guy's jersey and got a flagrant two ejection in a playoff game on Sunday. And was it kind of a light, soft ejection? Yeah, I, I wasn't in love with it. But you know why they do that? Because they want the game to be clean, and they want stars to be able to operate and make the game exciting. Mm-hmm. In the NHL, it's like you know, two games last night just devolve into, well, we're getting our asses kicked, and so we're going to fight. Why? Score a goal on a power play, you dunces. Well, or just play a better <laughs> game, too. Just play a better game. Don't. Just... What drives me nuts is last night, in my opinion, the Wild sort of like coward. Like I don't, I don't even recognize that team last night. I honestly don't. It looked like the old, old Parisi, Suter, Halla. It looked like that bunch. I don't even recognize well, them. And then to come, Halla had a great assist last night. I don't know if you guys, Eric, the whisper, the whisper was watching hockey last know. night. Big Eric time. has had a sneaky great year. I believe ne- Niederreiter had a big goal last night too. Second line, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, I am, I, I am completely with you. And and I actually I think that the officials did a pretty damn good job in the Blues game last night by calling a lot of things to try and deter Phil what you're talking about. I can credit for that. I do I'll tell you what, I I love what you brought up earlier, which is because ordinarily you're so used to, and, and teams get used to it too. Well, if it's a big skirmish, then we can kind of get away with stuff because they'll just send two guys to the box and whatever, and that's four on four, and it's it's even strength. Right, but. If you're going to pick and choose sending one guy to the box, then teams have to be more mindful of, well, I don't want to get caught, so maybe I should. It's just like 
I just want to see. I just want to see. I want to see skill rewarded. I want to see strategy, and I want. I don't. I don't need it to devolve into we're gonna roughhouse and fight. There's a guy. I think it was a, a Toronto player. I can't remember who got the best of the fight in the Tampa Toronto game last night. But a guy. There's a geyser coming out of a guy's forehead because someone had to send a message at the end of the game. It's like, no, Austin Matthews kicked your ass through skill and through performance, and now you get to answer with your own skill and performance. And if you can't, then the, the series should be over. And you know what? If you want to, if you want to bring fighting into hockey, award a goal to whoever wins it. Okay, we're gonna. All right, Felino, I'm gonna pick this guy out. He's gonna agree, and whoever wins the fight gets a goal. Okay, now it matters. But if we're trying to send a message at the end well, of the game, it's just. Uh, and the Blues were laughing too. Like the like at that point in time, do you think the Blues care? Dude, score on a power play. Yeah. Anyways, now I'm all worked up here. Well, I like it. I'm all worked up here. You I know, like I'm gonna take the Whisper is gonna take a breather here and talk about. Dennis Kirk, a great partner of ours here on Mackie and Judd, on Score North. Yeah, if you like to enjoy riding season, whether it's a Harley, an Indian, Metro Cruiser, sport bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets as well. If you order before 8 p.m., they ship the same day, and shipping is free on orders over $89. Getting gear and head to DennisKirk.com. Ride more, wait less at DennisKirk.com. Okay, we're only halfway through the observations here. I love it. There's solid, oh, man. Dude, you got really angry. Okay, observation number four. Marc-Andre Fleury tried very hard to set the tone early by stopping a breakaway on a bogus penalty and then stopping the ensuing penalty shot off of the bogus breakaway penalty. Mm-hmm. And you thought when you, when you saw that, and that was all in like the first few minutes of the game, <clears throat> And you saw that, and you're like, wow, all right, playoff legend right here. And then I, and you guys can comment on this, but it kind of came unraveled. I don't think he was at fault for the loss. You couldn't put a puck in the back of the net. But the Hockey Whisperers amateur observation said to him, when you're in your upper 30s and you're not the most technically sound goalie, things can get away from you a little bit. There were some sprawling way to the right, sprawling to the left, you know, a big rebound off over here. And if and, and if your defensemen aren't cleaning that puck out of the danger zone area, then you're going to give up three or four goals like you did last night. So, you know, being on the power play helped the Blues cash in quite a few times. But it felt, it felt like early on Fleury looked like, whoa, big-time goals being stopped here. And then later on it kind of unraveled and so... I don't know. His trust is a little bit less than it was going into the game. The whisper. Yeah, first period um, where where the Blues basically dominated. They they score a power play at the last second. It's not a power play. It is a power play. Regardless, it, it count, gets counted as a power play goal. I thought in the second and third, Mark Andre didn't play poorly, but he didn't steal those periods for you. Like he allowed some goals and he allowed some pucks that he definitely should have stopped. And look, he's kind of just a flamboyant and very, very, um, not, I don't want to use the word obnoxious, but he's, he's very animated, very animated when he's in net. And yes, he's 37, so he can't move as quickly as he can um, in, his, in his previous career, but you need, you need your goalie to be a stopper. Like, Huso, at the end of the day, who we questioned, who never played a playoff game, was a stopper. Was a stopper for St. Louis. Anytime they needed a big save, the dude delivered. You need that from Marc-Andre Fleury, and you're probably going to hopefully have to see it from Cam Talbot in game two. You know what? He didn't play great, but I'd like to place blame where blame is was deserved and earned. That was, I think, the worst performance that I've seen this season from the Wild Blue Line Corps. 
Where the hell were you? Um, Marc-Andre Fleury makes uh, flamboyant saves and allows rebounds. That's not like new. Again, nothing that happened last night surprised anyone. And the fact was how many of those goals that the Blues scored, you guys, came on rebounds. Where's Where are the defensemen? Kulikov deserves to be scratched. He was awful. Um, I, I said this on JHS last night, Whisperer. Brodeen had among the worst periods in games I've ever seen him have. Brodeen looked like he was, and this is incredible, because he's one of the best defensemen I've ever seen consistently. I mean, he's phenomenal, right? Brodeen looked like he was peeing down his breezer leg at some point. Like he was turning over the puck. He was. He looked nervous. He was making bad passes. You, it's probably debatable if Dumba should be playing, because he flat out can't shoot. And I don't know if he can move guys. Like, I think something is wrong where he can't move guys. But when Marc-Andre Fleury starts, make no mistake, people can't be allowed to stand in front and knock in rebounds. And so, I, so yes, Flower was not great. But that being said, the Wild defensive core, I thought, for the most part, was atrocious. Atrociously bad. You, ha- This is playoff hockey. <laughs> The message is sent by by playing by playing a complete game. That I mean, I'll go back to what I said. If you're going to advance through the playoffs, it's hell. It's not like it's fun if you win, but it's hard. It's hard work. This is not November, and and so when Flurry allows a juicy rebound in front, not only can you not be surprised. But you got to pick up the Blues guy, and you got to move him. Like, you got to be there. They were literally scoring off rebounds at will. That's on the wild forwards to come back. That's on the defensive core. A massive disappointment. Is this a, is this a Twins-Yankees situation? It was suggested to me in the press box by, by a cohort. That was exactly brought up. Said this feels like Twins-Yankees. That's that game. exactly what was said to me. That game also felt like the the series, the, the Jake Allen series from a few years ago too, where oh, very much you look at all the stats and the analytics, and it was like the ice is just yes. tilted in the Wild's favor for the entire duration of the series, but they couldn't put the puck in the back of the net. Uh, yep. Observation, hockey whisper, observation number five here. So he's going to bring some stats to the table, but the Wild had no ability to cash in on power plays last night. I think if before the game you would have said, listen. They're going to spend more than 10 minutes with a one-man advantage. Second most in the entire league last night across the four games that were played. And they're going to have, of all the games and all the teams that played last night, they're going to have the most unblocked shot attempts on power plays. They had 15 unblocked shot attempts in power play situations last night. And they're not going to score. How much of that is bad luck versus bad execution? Because they did hit some pipes as well. Yep, and it's not it's did. certainly not a hundred percent lack of execution. There's a luck factor in there when you when you take that many shots and you're on the power play for that often, you hit the pipes. What's your pie chart of bad luck versus bad execution on the power play? Well, the bad luck, yes, they, they hit some pipes. Um flat out, and th- this is a massive problem. When Dino goes to the podium after that loss last night and says our special teams has not been good, the play, yeah, you're right, but that can't happen here. Like so, so 
it would be bad luck if the power play had been actually going well, and now it has one bad game, right? You hit some pipes, you're like, okay, that's some bad luck. But I will continue to say, and I, I told Dex this late last night too, the amount of times that this power play, and especially the top unit, tries to get cute and tries to look for the perfect play, like this is all about getting pucks to the net, more so to create rebounds, right? And, I mean, these guys, I think, have had a problem all year long because you've got high-end talent. I mean, Kaprizov's out there. Zuccarello's out there. Uh, Fiala last night. Um, This is all about creating shooting lanes and capitalizing. And I'm telling you, that's what they don't do. They're always looking for the perfect play. Well, guess what? The Blues are good at blocking shots, right? So the other problem, too, is if you look for the perfect play, a lot of times you're telegraphing the play, so the shot gets blocked. Uh, so I I refuse to say that it's bad luck when you've been as bad on special teams, Declan, as this team has been now for ba- for essentially the entire season. Yeah, I, I don't like to play hockey coach of what you can do and can't do with your power play. Number one, I just I do not have the brain power to figure that part out. I have I have a lot of other problems with this team that I'm gonna that I'm gonna source my resources into. It just seems like there are way too many good chefs in the kitchen for this power play not to be somewhat successful, dude. Like, Kirill shoots at will. Fiala shoots at will. Zuccarello's an amazing playmaker. Ryan Hartman's developed into someone. You got big bodies like Greenway and Eck and Felino that can screen guys in front of the net. When Matt Dumba's shoulder isn't completely hanging by a thread, he has one of the best howitzers in the league. Like, there are too many good players on this team for this power play to be so unsuccessful. And it's maddening. Like, I get why Wild fans can't see this like it, it, it I, I hear the shoots all the time right at the XO energy center which is super annoying to hear but there, this team has too many good players for the power play to at the very least not be league average three different times on the ESPN telecast last night one was during a five-on-five period they put a timer up as soon as the wild and this never happened with the blues it only happened with the wild three different times they put a timer up when the wild were approaching a full minute in the offensive zone so you know they'd be cycling the puck around, get a couple shots off without. I mean, without not like a save and a cover and the face off. I mean, like uninterrupted zone time, going up over sixty seconds twice on the power play last night, and then once five on five, and they didn't score on any of them. Amazing. Okay, and then the final observation here: observe a little six pack of observations from the hockey whisperer for you guys. We've touched on some of this, but Blues players were doing everything they could to frustrate the wild and it worked. And I'm not just talking about, you know, it was like juvenile stuff, high school hazing stuff. I mean, there was a, can't remember who it was. It might've been Dumbo was up against the boards by the St. Louis bench. And one of the blues players looked over to see if the official was watching, saw that he wasn't and close lines. So, so Dumbo or whoever it was had his back to the, to the bench area. And he grabs his face and pulls it back and like close lines him arched back over the blues. Hartman. Hartman. Okay. Yeah, it's like stuff hurt. like that where you, it's like stuff that you would do in high school to bully someone, right? There, were, at one point, someone had again. I can't remember who, which wild player it was. Maybe it was Fiala, but uh, a Blues player as they were coming off the ice for a change just grabbed the wild player stick and threw it into the Blues bench. You got a penalty for it, yeah. and so Fiala had to then go. Yeah, and it, you know, and it, ultimately it was good for the Wild because they got a two minute power play out of it, but. The roughhousing after the whistle, gloves smearing faces, like all this just juvenile stuff that mm-hmm. the Blues were getting away with, sometimes not getting away with, but baiting the Wild. And it, and it worked. It frustrated the Wild. 
So I don't think you can counter by doing it back. I think you have to counter by just scoring goals and playing your game. But, but this so that is part of the point that frustrated me the most from the entire game, which is this: nothing the Blues did was surprising. This is how they play. Like it's actually smart because like it's that sets a tone because now now they're pushing you, and if you get frustrated and lash out back or or it begins to impact your play, that's a tone that if you're the Blues, you absolutely love. That's what frustrated me about that that game, though. The Blues didn't do anything surprising, and yet they dictated, in my opinion, the tone of that game uh, by getting to the wild. And here's my question, I guess, too, just from like a coaching standpoint. How are you not prepared for that? Like, how are you not prepared for the game that the Blues played? There was nothing about that game that was shocking. And and look, if the if the score had been... 3-2, right? We'd say, that's a tough loss. That's a great, but this, this is going to be great. This is going to be a long mm-hmm. series. It's going to be fantastic. But the reality is, you, in my opinion, played right into their hands. And and I will say this about puck possession, and I'm, I'm not sure what Dex thinks about this statement. Puck possession, to me, overrated. Because if it doesn't result in shots and, and high-danger scoring chances, do I really care if you have the puck, if I can go take the puck away when I need to? I really don't. So it's not like time of possession in football where you actually have the damn football, and I'm trying to to go get that ball, and then we're going to have to change sides. In hockey, the transition's like that. So like the whole stat of, well, the Wild possessed the puck, to Dex's point, well, okay, yeah, cool, but if you possessed it outside the circles along the boards... I don't care. I'll just go hit you eventually. Mm. Well, I, I do think um, that, yeah, I think there's quickly on the possession thing. I, I, I think there's something to say about, well, I, I'll just get it whenever I want. Well, not necessarily. And also, is that other team's goalie carrying you right now? Because then, then, then the team's cool with it. All right, put as many shots as you want on because our goalie's red hot right now. And, and a lot of goaltenders will also tell you that they prefer to see a lot of shots. They'd rather see 45 shots than 20 shots in a game because it feels like they are on, on their game and they can see more pucks. So, I don't think it's as black and white as that, but I, I do know what you're trying to say, that sometimes the possession time can be a little overrated and overvalued. The neutral zone possession to me is, I just don't, that's fine. The well, I think change, go back I, and forth. I'll take, listen, this is just the whisperer talking here, but the whisperer will take offensive zone possession. That's that's how you, I mean, that's you have to have the puck in the offensive zone to generate chances. And that's the, that's the saving grace here is that five on five, the Wild had the puck in the offensive zone a lot, and now they need to figure out how to unlock, I don't know, more than zero goals. Real quick, Emily Kaplan from ESPN.com is reporting, all indications are that Jared Spurgeon will not have a hearing with the Department of Player Safety, meaning no suspension per sources. Would expect him to get a fine of some kind. And uh, Remind me, which player did he try and snap the Achilles tendon of last night? Declan, you want to say his name? Oh, was it uh, Butch Davis? It was Butch, Butch Davis. Davis. <laughs> Butch Patrick Nevich. Garcia's fa- favorite player, <laughs> Butch Davis. I love how Butch Nevich looked back to like, so when you like saw that. that happening, it was like, oh, my God, that looks like it may have broken his ankle, his foot, his Achilles tendon, and Butch Nevich just looks around his shoulder and just goes, what the? Yep. What yeah, the? It, did, it clearly the didn't hurt like like we thought. But here's what's ridiculous, or maybe it did, and he just he's just impervious to pain. But so yeah. so he's he's one of their best players. I mean, he's yeah. one of their he's one of their top goal scorers. Uh, didn't, I mean, Tarasenko is their top goal scorer, but he's one of their top goal scorers. 
So what I find ridiculous is Spurgeon tried to take him out. And I know it was a moment. It was like a blinding moment of rage. He was just mad about the game and mad whatever. But he, I mean, he as hard as he could, with that dude's leg pinned against the ice, he cross-checked the back of his leg, and that could have done however much damage, right? Yes. He's probably going to get fined $5,000 for He that. did. He did, and it's official. He got so fined. So That's he did max. get fined. Yeah. $5,000. Yeah. So these, the average NHL salary is like two and a half or $3 million, and Spurgey makes more than that, right? Doesn't Spurgey make about $4 million, something like that? These dudes wipe their behinds with $5,000. These $5,000 fines don't mean anything. The fact that you can run around... And, you know, Spurgeon is kind of a star. He's a captain. He's a, he's a good defensive player. But, like, the fact that a guy like Spurgeon can take a weapon to the Achilles tendon of one of the better offensive players in the playoffs and get nothing but a slap on the back of the hand is so amazing to me. So here's how they think. The league thinks like this. If this is Marshall, he gets a game, maybe two, probably a game, right? But because Spurgeon is a choir boy, they say, yeah, this is outside of what he ordinarily does. He's been a clean player. I believe he he was, Dex, if I'm not mistaken, last year a finalist for the Lady Beeping Bling Trophy. Yeah. Like, he, the most gentlemanly player. Yeah. So the league thinks, well, he, he won't do this again. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that play was incredibly dangerous. I, I just, I can't, def- I can't defend it. The biggest fine this season, and there's been you mentioned. I think you mentioned Marshan. He got yeah. he got suspended for. He has the longest suspension this year of six yes. games for the the roughing and the high sticking. Yes. The biggest fine this season to a player again, average salary two to three million dollars in the NHL. PK Subban, because it was a repeat offense, yeah, got That's fined exactly. fifteen thousand dollars in November for a tripping, a dangerous yes. trip. Yes. So like what? But well. What, what, that, that you might as well not even find them or punish them. If you're you're essentially saying what he did is fine because we're not going to punish him. They're saying he won't do it again, so we trust him. But I agree with you. I mean that that plays incredible. I mean, Can there's you not. They, here's my problem with that play in particular. It was so premeditated, like he thought about it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, probably thinking about it. doing something for the whole game, right? He and was... you, now, I don't. I think he got frustrated, but I don't care because the frustration, like you can see it going through his mind. He could have easily gotten up, skated away, zero consequences, yeah. right? Like it's one yeah. thing if you, it's one thing if you dangerously slash a guy as he's going by you and he's got the puck and that's a dumb play, but it's not necessarily a malicious. I'm trying to hurt you play. You tell me this, the Spurgeon play. What else are you supposed to think when you literally cross-check an individual's Achilles tendon? I mean, there's no, I, I know. There's no excuse for it's it. Absurd. I'm, Dude, it's absurd. I'd love to tell you, oh, and that's hockey. But no, it's not hockey. That's crap. It's it's one of the things, you know, we don't have to go into, this is maybe for another episode, but it's, it's one of the reasons why the Hockey Whisperer loves hockey. But Phil Mackey has had a hard time in his life fully taking hockey seriously as a sport that suppresses star players, whether it's through, you know, if you want to talk about goalie pads being too big or nets being too small, or, you know, you can have a, you can have a defenseman take a weapon to a guy's Achilles tendon who put up 75 points this season. And just in theory, he he should have probably taken him out with that. I mean, that could have taken him out very, his intent was to injure his leg in that blinding moment of rage. Yeah. 
and there'd be no repercussions. It's just, come on. Let's, but you know what? Let's let the star players be stars, which go would wild. benefit the Wild in this series, by the way. It's about winning. Go Wild. Go Spurgy. Go Spurgy. The Whisper doesn't think this series is over by any means. It sounds like oh, maybe not. maybe yeah, Fred I, does. It better not be. Well, if they don't come out in Game 2... Um, playing, uh, you know, if they allow the if they allow games to be dictated by the Blues, they're done in four or five. But if they do, the amount of disappointment from Sportsdad will be monumental. Yeah. I, I'm the one saying this team's different. I've been saying that for how long? Well, don't fail now. Don't fail now. That's one one game. Last All night right. wasn't different. I know, but I mean, I'm very disappointed. I'll, st- I'll I'll say that right now. We I'm can tell. We can tell. Very disappointed. <laughs> we can tell. Zero, zero, okay. zero, zero. How about if we bring some positive vibes to the show here? You want, some, you want some positive vibes? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. I have a pecking order for you guys. Oh, look at that graphic. To celebrate the hottest team in baseball. I have the seven things I love most about the 2022 Twins. Okay. Right. Never doubted this team Not at all whatsoever. No. Well, we'll he'll, he's oh. on the list somewhere yeah, we'll get here. There. Yeah. All right. These are the seven things that I love best about the 2022 Twins, the red-hot Minnesota Twins. They win again last night. Let's start. We're going to start with number one and work our way to seven. These You can pretty much put these all in a hat. These are all very, very good things. All right, number one, I love that the Twins already have the biggest division lead of any team in baseball. A three-and-a-half game lead here, three weeks into the season. They're 10-1 and one in their last 11 games after a 4-8 and eight start, and they have taken command of the American League Central. A division that is, by all means, could be locked up by June. The American League Central is awful. I think the White Sox are going to show some life at some point. They're, I don't know, they, man. They've got, they got enough talent, even with the they're, injuries. They're injured they, like crazy. They're, their karma feels wrong, though. And and I think this is the year that Tony gets exposed as being just an old man who's just out, well, out of touch. That, that's that been documented, I, I, I think. No, no but I've been waiting for that. I thought it would, I thought it would be happening. like immediately, and it wasn't. So I don't know. The White Sox, it just feels wrong. It, I think it we need to expose wrong. Tony's hair. I, I, I feel like... Tony LaRussa. Mike Shashevsky, Tony LaRussa, you guys, it's not 1988 anymore. See, you, can you can but go gray. You can go gray. But in Tony's mind, it is. And that's the thing. Tony Tony is a product of the 80s, 90s, Hall of Famer. It's been great. Why are you back, dude? Does Tony have a rug? Or do you think he, sure he dies it? No, dies it. a rug. Oh, really? I don't know. I thought he had a well, rug. Ascension. I don't know. Maybe. Well, I, I mean, feel like did... it would be hard to wear a hat and wear a rug. Well, Every day for like eight months, you know? He's he's worth enough that he probably could get top-line rug. Have it just sort of almost like permanently. Sure. I don't, know, I don't really know how yeah. that works. But if, if there's a rug company that wants to sponsor the show, we'll yes. gladly we'll explain how that works. We'll be glad to tell yeah. people how it's done. Judd here. Actually, it would be Phil here. It would be Phil. <laughs> yeah, but Phil's purposely bald. So. I shaved my head That's just true. out of convenience. But, you know, the hairline isn't quite what it was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Mackie here for Rogaine. <laughs> Let me All right. How it works. All right, but yeah. Number was... two on the seven things I love about the 2022 Twins, this pecking order. Mm-hmm. I kind of love the pitching. So you got Dur- Duran as a game changer because you know we didn't really know what to expect from Duran going into the season. Is he going to be healthy? Is he? Is he? Are they working him to be a starter at some point? Still a reliever? Where? He, and now he's just pitching lights out at the back end of games. Last night, collects a save. 
He's no. going 100 miles an hour. He's got nasty braking stuff. And if his arm doesn't fall off, I think he's just going to be a lights-out back-end reliever for you this season. So start there. Well, how are they going to replace Taylor Rogers? Oh, Durant. And then the starting pitching, you've got a blossoming ace in Joel Ryan. And then even though Sonny Gray hasn't really given you anything yet because of the injuries, all these other guys are off to good starts too. Paddock's so off to a nice start. Yeah. Uh, even uh, Winder pitched well the other day. He's like actually like him. Seventh I like him starter, a lot. right? Dude, yeah. Griffin Jacks out of the bullpen's actually been phenomenal. He had another great inning yesterday. The pi- the pitching has has been. I mean, th- their offense hasn't fully clicked yet, even, and their pitching has been the thing that has kept them in some Starting of these games. Pitching's so. been good. Mm-hmm. And you didn't bring up your guy. You didn't even mention him yet. I mean, I know he had a bad outing last time, but come on. I'm supposed to apologize in June because Dylan Bundy's going to be so good. Dylan Bundy's been great. He's got an ERA below four. Mm -hmm. The Twins have won three of the four games that he has started so far this season. Mm -hmm. So we are now, let's see, 28 days away from Judd's apology. You said in June, right? In June, but we did get a twenty eight days. But we got a bad start. If we well, he's not going to pitch lights starts, out every start. Now you're moving yeah, the goalposts. No, now no, you're moving the goalposts. No, he was terrible. Oh, he's got to be perfect every time. No, he was terrible in Tampa. If he's terrible again, the apology's off the table. <laughs> oh, one more bad start and it's off the table. One or two more and it's off the table. <laughs> and then I'm pushing it back to July. If okay. you're get, getting that, moving the goalposts. Josh Winder though has been really good. I really like that kid. He is, yeah. All right. The third thing I love about the 2022 Minnesota Twins. Byron Buxton. The oh. Twins have played at a 102-win pace when he's been healthy and playing in games the last few seasons, and they're doing the same thing this year. In fact, what are they? Are they they're 14 and nine now? Yes. Let's see here. Ten of their last eleven, right? Carry the fire. So 14 divided by 23 times 162. So they're playing at a 99-win pace right now. My math is right, All which right. is par for the course. With That's actually a little under pace the last four seasons with Byron Buxton. So they're disappointing. Yes, they're disappointing. <laughs> the Twins are incredibly disappointing. They're not at a 100-plus win pace with Byron Buxton. Isn't it amazing? Like, he is just, first of all, he's one of the most powerful hitters. He's got the highest slugging percentage of any hitter in baseball the last three seasons. But now he's he's also getting on base a little bit more. You know, if he can keep the OBP above 300 and hit all that all those home runs I, absolutely he's just, man he's just a joy worth the price of admission all right number four i love that max kepler is kind of back to the 2019 version of himself okay i got a question what do we think happened there within like the last week i mean and, and he's and it seems like why. he's opposite field more often he's strikeouts seem to be down so he, he hit the, the two home runs at target field um, when I was there, I think it was against Detroit. And that sort of was the breakout game. But here's why I feel like it's different, and it's sort of weird. Um, it's not the pop-up, because that's been short. Like, he, he's he's played well of late, with of late being the key words. But he's got a swagger back. Like, like it's almost like somebody talked to him. Or like, something's happened where, because when he's not... Going well, which he basically didn't since 2019. Max Kepler, like like you can see it. He sort of doesn't look like he's having any fun. His head is down a lot. There's just something that's that's not there. And in the last week or so, like the cockiness has come back. I love it's it. Almost like Give me something some swag, baby. Yeah. Well, he definitely he definitely plays off swag. He definitely plays off some swag. Like if he's got the swag, he's a different guy in my opinion. That might sound well, too simple, but. 
Yeah, no, I, I think I'm just looking into some of the numbers here, too, some of the underlying things here. So his hard hit rate is the highest it's been since 2019. His opposite field hit rate, it's pretty much in line with where it was the last couple of years, but it's like 25% of his contact is going to opposite field, and that's good because he, he can get really pull-happy sometimes if you want to really get into it. Yes. One of his biggest issues throughout his career has been pop-ups. He pops up all the time. It's kind of crazy. Joe Maurer only hit like a handful of infield fly balls in his career. And Max Kepler's a guy that'll hit one, you know, and, and he'll pop up. Sometimes he'll get lucky and the ball will like land three seats into the into the fans. But he's a guy that hits the ball up the uh, the phone booth on a regular basis. He only has two infield pop ups this season so far. Hmm. You want you I love the that's right. Two that infield pop ups so far this season. Baseball. <laughs> That is great. Look at you. Get those nerds! 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 <laughs> That's back. a good one. Who, who's got two thumbs and is back into the baseball analysis? Old Macadac. Uh, you, right you and right Max here. Kepler is back. You're out of the Swagger's Bad Takes back. Hall of Fame. I thought, or Bad Takes Jail, excuse me. I thought you are in the Bad Takes Hall no, of Fame. No, the ba- uh, bad, takes, bad Takes Hall of Fame is got where it. Twins Daily put Served me after time. my Miguel Sano nope. take from a couple years ago. I told, In fact... Here's my fifth. This is what a segue. Executive producer just sensing what's on the horizon here. It's amazing. So you'll remember that uh, one of the one of the twins daily luminaries dunked on me a couple years ago, and it started a a Twitter war when I said Miguel Sano is basically just a poor man's Adam Dunn. He has one discernible MLB skill, and it's power. And when he's locked in, he's going to hit some home runs. But overall, I said he's not one of the ten most important players on the Twins. Oh, that's preposterous like two or three years ago. Preposterous. Well, observation number five is I love that Jose Miranda has now taken over for Miguel Sano. I don't love that Sano is injured. I'm not rooting for a guy to be injured, but it sounds like he might be headed for some minor knee surgery now, according to what the Twins were saying yesterday. This team is better without him. He's just a drag, man. He, he, He ends rallies. He has five hits this season, you guys. Five hits. It's May. It's it's just it, he's 29. This is the last year of his contract. He's just not. It, it's not a David Ortiz situation. Oh it's, God, no! It's, it's not. not even cl- it's not even close. It's uh, put me he, in the bad takes Hall of Fame if you want, but it's true. So I think the problem if there's if there's a term that I can make up on the fly to describe Miguel Sano's presence is he's a lineup stopper. He stops the lineup. Like, it's one thing to have power and you strike out occasionally, okay? It's another, though, to basically be an impediment in the lineup, which I think he's become. Like, like if you look at, if you look at like, last night, right? They got a lot of guys that can hit a little bit. Now, they're not all going great, but, like, there's a definite tone to it. There's a definite tone that goes through that. And I feel like what, what Sano has done, when at least he, he was playing, was you'd get to him, and it was so close to being an automatic out that it would just stop everything. And, like, what's the use in that? Oh, occasionally he's going to hit a long home run. Okay. A lot of guys can hit. And and plus, you know what? Yeah. Distance doesn't matter. If you pop the ball out of the ballpark or you hit a mammoth home run to center, it's still a home run. So, like, I, I think that they finally probably have identified the fact that as a whole, offensively, the way to get this thing going 
is to take a guy like that out as much as possible and have guys that can be that that can have productive at bats because that's the thing is Miguel does not have productive at bats. Yeah, and it would be one thing if he was you, know, you you can live with a guy that's just kind of up and down, not great offensively. I think of a guy like Kevin Kiermeyer in Tampa, and he's been hurt a lot in his career, but he's so great as a defensive center fielder. Yes. You can kind of live with him not being a great hitter. Well, Sano plays first base, and not that well. We've lowered the bar so much for what we expect out of him. This dude was signed as a shortstop 15 years ago or 12 years ago, whatever it was. Okay, yeah. well, he's, he's too big for shortstop, so let's move him to third base. Oh, now he's too big for third base. Well, why is he too big? Because he has to lose 30 pounds every year and a half, basically. And, I, and I, I'm not going to tie that directly into a knee injury, but... The guy hasn't exactly been the most fit athletic specimen taking his career seriously. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's just, I don't know, I hate to keep dumping on the guy, but I love I love that Jose Miranda is up. He's been one of their best minor league hitters the last couple of years, yep. and it'll be fun to to watch him. All right, observation number six. Not observation, this is a pecking order. Item number six. The whisperer, the hockey whisperer, and the uh, the baseball whisperer crossing signals here at odds i love that the twins are 13 and 9 or whatever it is 14 and 9 13 and 9 and two of their best players carlos correa and jorge polanco have barely joined the party yet now correa has started to heat up a little bit the last few games but those guys have mostly been cold so far the first three weeks of the season so and miguel sano has been like a 30-year lineup has just been non-existent while you've been winning some of these games so imagine once those guys fully heat up what that lineup's going to look like behind Byron Buxton. Correa has been, what, hot for a week now, I believe, yeah. that that he started to hit. Yeah, I, this is going to be, this team's going to be, I think, now a, a lot more fun. The only So here's the only thing I've got as far as a, a bit of, not surprisingly, trepidation from me. The only thing I've got is is going to Tampa to win two of three is nice and impressive. And to the Twins' credit, they beat up. They seemingly have started to beat up on bad teams, right? But I am curious when they do play good teams, what this looks like, especially the pitching. So, like, can you when when you play good good teams, of which the American League has what the East has good some good teams for sure, the Toronto's. The Yankees and the West has a few, but the point is, I'm curious when you do play at those clubs if you can continue this, because it just feels like there is a lot more life now than we ever saw in 2021. Yeah, well, you know how you can keep the momentum going with observation or uh, thing number seven that I love most about the Twins right now. You could call up Royce Lewis. Oh, I love that Royce Lewis is tearing it up in AAA. That's number seven on this pecking order. Look at you. So he has a 1,028 OPS in the first 21 games of the AAA season. He's hitting 320 with a 441 on base percentage. Now he's played exclusively shortstop so far for the Saints. So I don't know. It's a good problem to have because you already have one of the best shortstops in baseball, Carlos Correa, and then you have one of the best second basemen in baseball in Jorge Polanco. And he has played some center, but you also have one of the best center fielders in all of baseball in Byron Buxton. Although Buxton gets hurt, which is certainly not 
No, we not need to think more creatively than hoping of. that Byron Buxton gets hurt. I'm not hoping he gets hurt. I'm just saying that that would be an interesting replacement. If, Could he play he third hurt. base? Do you want to Could, move him to? Dang. Do you want to move him to third third base up here temporarily? That's. I'm just asking the question though. Like, if you're going to call him up, if he's got the arm for shortstop, he's got the arm third for third. Base. If he's got okay. the glove for shortstop, he's got the glove for third. I mean, third base is the logical shortstops who can't play shortstop anymore. Oftentimes, move to third. See Cal Ripken, Alex Rodriguez, Miguel Sano. There's or too second. much talent here. That's what you're telling me right now. I'm saying if this dude's going to have a 1,000 OPS at AAA, yeah. you should find a place for him. Some and maybe you can do like a DH rotation or something where you play some some shortstop. But I, I don't want to pull Carlos Correa from shortstop. So could you get creative? Put him no, at you're third not base. Pull Carlos Correa. Can you imagine that? Carlos, come here, man. We got some bad exactly. news for you. Louis Arise has been playing some first base, so Arise can play first base. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Love arrives. I'm just saying, like, and this this would officially rule Miguel Sano out, <laughs> right? He would no longer. I think be. that's okay, Phil. I think that's all right. How about uh, how about some left field? Could could you play left field? So then you're out. You're looking at now. You want Kepler to be in right, Buxton in center. So you you'd be swapping Larnick and or, but then Kirloff could be your DH. Right? I'm just throwing it out. I'm throwing it out there. If and when he comes that, back, I think that's the place that I could probably the quickest create a position, and I would guess that that a guy who's played center on occasion could play left field. You, you can't, yeah. you got to find a creative way, I think, is the Well, and point. and if you are in contention, which I think that w- with the way things are going currently, you will be as the trade deadline approaches. Guess what you got? You got some chips. Well, look at his, his value right. is very much unknown. Fire the reckless speculation sounder. We're already talking trade deadline deals here, huh? Will bullpen help, maybe? Speculation. But doesn't isn't his stock? We were all sitting here a month ago saying, "Well, he hasn't played since 2019. Whatever, yeah. just just trade him." Well, now that he's playing in AAA and carving it up, he's one of the best hitters in AAA. His value is yeah. a lot higher because he's a lot closer to being a major league player. So, do you call the A's back? If you can swing that trade, obviously, without trading Royce Lewis, then that's the that's the ideal. But I'm saying if the A's said, hey, you know what? We, we've been keeping an eye on your guy. He's been fantastic. Frankie Montas is yours for Royce Lewis. Would you do it? I wouldn't do that trade right now. Not right now. I, I would I, I would have a month ago, but now we have more information. We've seen a oh, healthy, that's effective that's, Royce Lewis. It, it's a question. I'm just asking a record. Dodgers want to give us Walker Bueller or something, you know. Then I'll, you know, maybe then I'll entertain Restless. I, is he available? No, not at all. I'm just oh. absolutely spitballing us trying to get <laughs> the best pitcher in baseball. Colfax and Drysdale, yeah. both of yeah. them, or, or else it's not a deal. Yeah, but sir, Amazing. Mr. Drysdale's dead. We still want him in a trade. I want his rights. <laughs> yeah, I'm just asking the question because I do mm-hmm. think that there's going to be w- with what you just w- went through roster wise. I do think there's going to be opportunities probably to make some trades. Agreed. Agreed. So there you go. There's your packing order. The seven things I like best about the twins. Too much talent. That's what Phil Mackey's telling us. Well, look at, look, look how they are. They're, they're so shaky in certain positions. Like there's a corner outfield spot that's kind of shaky and you don't really have a first baseman. Third base is up in the air. Well, Miranda might, that's the thing. If, if Miranda clicks and he went over four last night, but he didn't strike out. If he clicks now, it's an even bigger good problem to have because he becomes your third baseman. And so then... Shallow plays when then? Off the bench? 
he just yeah he's he's fine. But Miranda has more upside than Urshela oh, at this point. Absolutely. So then you just, I don't know. Then you're now you have some good problems. But then you you could also trade like I would trade I would probably trade Miranda for Montas before I'd trade Royce Lewis for Montas. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, and I do, and I do think that that the plan is that Correa spends a year here, leaves, and Royce uh, goes in place of him at shortstop. Mm-hmm. Like I firmly believe that that's the plan. So yeah, they're probably not going to move him. Uh, the Twins have plenty of insurance at some of these key positions, is what we're saying. Mm-hmm. But if your company is looking for better insurance or better risk management tools and resources, Federated has been around for over a hundred years. They're based in Owatonna, Minnesota. They've been supporters of several different Minnesota sports teams, too, and us at Score North for a number of years. So um, if you're just looking for better frontline protection, better support, check out the folks at Federated, federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right, there's your packing order. Got the Hockey Whisperer observations. Judd's Hockey Show from last night you can find on the Judd's Hockey Show podcast feed or the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. And we'll see you guys on Purple Daily. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.